words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you, our Savior, friend, and King. Amen. Uh, there is the saying, people live in one of two tents, either content or discontent. I wonder in which tent you sometimes find yourself. Many of you know that I, uh, for my research masters, spent five years getting to know Paul and spent my time looking at 2 Corinthians chapters 10 to 13. Paul is probably the person that once we're in eternity together, I'm most looking forward to both giving a hug and pouring a bucket of cold water over his head. Um, but he interestingly says in, uh, in Romans chapter 7, uh, what shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had I have not been given the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of coveting. For apart from the law, sin was dead. I think that's a really interesting point that uh, for him, if the law hadn't exist, sin would have been dead. It is these commandments and the many other laws that we read in the Old Testament that highlight various different things in our characters which God does not like and puts a block between us and him. So what is coveting? Our yearnings will always exceed our earnings. We are, in a sense, reaching beyond the things that God has gifted us with. We constantly talk about the grass being greener on the other side, and it always looks that bit shinier over there. So to cover is to desire something that someone else will end up losing. It's to yearn a possession without considering the regard of someone else. Jesus said himself in Luke chapter 12, life is not measured by how much you own. Interestingly, out of all the commandments, it is the only one that is not tangible. If we murder someone, that person goes missing. If we steal, the person that's been stolen from will notice that that thing has been stolen. But if we covet something, this is something that we consider in our minds, and only God is the one that knows that we've actually coveted it unless we act on it. Coveting also leads to many other things. Um, we were looking when we were talking about um, the Sabbath that this is the longest commandment out of all of them, and yet it's the one that we tend to sort of brush aside. I don't really need to worry about the Sabbath, but I really shouldn't murder that person that just cut me up in the lane. Um, but there's various different things which are then highlighted in this commandment, which I thought was really interesting. Um, it leads to so many of the different commandments that have come before it. It can potentially lead to stealing, that we covet something of someone else and then take that thing from them. It can potentially lead to wealth if we're stealing someone else's money and taking their possessions and their servants from them. It steals someone else's chance for arrest 
which then undercuts the commandment for Sabbath rest. We potentially take something from someone else that is their work or their livelihood when it says, do not steal your neighbor's ox, back in the world where livestock would have been a lot more important. It steals someone's transportation. If you're stealing someone's ox or their horse, then they can't move around so much, which leads to a sense of isolation. And of course, there's coveting someone else's partner, wife, husband. If we take that from someone else, someone else loses out. So it's both a very powerful commandment and also very subtle. Uh, There's the sort of scientific experiment that if you put a frog in very, very hot water, they'll immediately jump out because it's painful. But if you put a frog in water and slowly boil the water, they won't notice and it'll end up killing the frog. I think this commandment is one that rips the soul in a very slow, untangible way. It subtly moves up and we don't notice it than if we were to do something that we consider to be a bit bigger. When we covet, God is no longer the center stage of center stage in our lives. The desire is then ousted from him. And he is no longer our sole focus, which, quite frankly, just comes down to being idolatry, another of the commandments that we covered before. J. John says in his book that we've been using, if if you don't live by priorities you'll end up living by pressures. I think that's a really key thing when we're looking at this particular psalm and many of the others, that we need to consider our senses of attitude. How are we going to come to this particular point? As we look back over the whole of the Ten Commandments, the thing that struck me the most as I reread them is how much they actually defend family values. They highlight various different things which In our world, we see ripping society apart. And yet these 10 commandments hold the family together that will stop father and son falling out from each other with the respect of respecting your parents. Or not cause one to steal from another and cause rips. It also talks about blessings. We read several weeks ago now about the third and the fourth generation that don't follow God as something which then he's very displeased about, which I I personally, with my counseling training, I think comes down to psychology. You see various different things which, if someone does, leads down into their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren, unless someone's willing to break the mold and change how that's going. But we often look at that and don't think about the fact that he's written that he will bless us to the thousandth generation, those of us that follow and love God. The Ten Commandments shouldn't be seen as a list of rules, but a list of blessings that he wants to give to us. And I think it's really important to underline that we, as children of God, are God's possession. We are really special to him. And anything that we do that then rips that apart is just destructive. It's not going to be productive. I remember sometimes when 
actually, as a bloke. I sometimes look at other people's partners and think, that person's a very attractive person. And uh, I remember back in my teenage years, reaching the point where I was able to say, that person is a daughter or a son of God. And that completely changes your attitude of how you then look at them. And then you're able to look at people that are very wonderful, attractive people as your sister and not potentially want to take that away from someone else. Often fear is the thing that drives us to covet. There is the sense of money that we want to rest on or trusting in someone else to do the things for us. I think it's really important when we're looking at this commandment to think about what are our priorities and evaluating them. Last night I was at a talk and someone mentioned about the principle of examine, uh, spelled with an E-N, not I-N at the end. And it's looking at your thoughts, the conversations that you have with different people, where are you spending your time, where are you spending your energy, what are you having a hard time giving up? Where are you spending your money? These are things that we can ask ourselves at the end of the day, just for a couple of minutes to really work out where is our focus, where is our heart? Simply asking the two questions, what is God doing in our lives? And what are we keeping God from doing in our lives? Are really important questions to ask on a daily basis to be able to clock these slightly subtler but more lethal problems of sin. Ultimately, as we finish our series on the Ten Commandments, uh, we're drawn to Jesus' overview of all of them when he was challenged and asked what is the most important one out of all ten, which I think is a bit nitpicking, but there we go. And he said, love your neighbor, love God and love your neighbor. And that's really summed up in these Ten Commandments of putting your neighbor first, defending those family values, and giving God the respect that he deserves for all that we have done, all that he has done for us. And to keep that in mind in every decision that we make, every thought, making those captive to us and clocking what is going on in our lives rather than letting it wash over us so that when we're challenged later on, we're able to say that we clocked the things that were bad in our lives and asked for forgiveness and we made the best of what we were given. I think ultimately it comes down to trust. Where do we put our trust? Jesus highlights this really clearly for us in Matthew 6 when he talks about um, doesn't God take care of the birds in the air? And if he takes care of them, then surely he's going to take care of us. So as we come to the end of this series, I want to challenge you to think about where your heart lies. is Is it in the security of other things? Is it being fearful of other things and having anxieties about what will come in the future? Is it relying on wealth, position, status, 
having that extra house or that extra promotion? Or is it coming before God with a sense of gratitude for what he's done for us and asking for the wisdom to be able to live our daily lives in a way that we trust in a God that can take care of all of our worries and loves us so much that he would send his son to die for us. May God bless his word to us today. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dave. It's a beautiful commandment, actually. Um, I was sitting there listening to you and thinking about Adam and Eve in the garden and how actually the original sin for them was desiring to be like God, coveting the very throne of glory itself. And God's desire to be like us is different because it's out of love. Coveting wants you to go up. Love wants you to go beneath. And he does that for us. Let's stand for those who are able to affirm our faith in this God of love. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of the Father, and he shall come again in glory to judge both the quick and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life, who proceedeth from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spake by the prophets, and I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let's be seated as we come before our Heavenly Father in prayer. Let's pray. Lord, we pray. Uh, firstly, that you'd be here with us, and thank you that you already are. We pray you'd increase your presence in this place. We pray for the church locally at the moment, Lord, particularly for our own church here. With lots of things going on and lots of changes happening, we pray that you'd be bringing peace, uh, reconciliation where it's needed, and, uh, and a communal vision, Lord, that we could all be excited about and share in as we seek your will for the future of Christ Church. Lord, we pray for uh, humanity and human society. Uh, Lord, we pray for our leaders, particularly uh, those on the political plane at the moment. Uh, Lord, we pray for deep, deep wisdom. We pray for a deep selflessness 
uh, within them. Uh, and I pray, Lord, that there be a cohesion in the decisions that are coming out of Parliament uh, and are affecting uh, many of our lives noticeably. So Lord, we pray for a resolution to uh, seemingly impossible issues in that area, and we trust you with them. Uh, Lord, we pray for uh, those of us who are suffering uh, and who are not doing well. Uh, we pray for healing, Jesus, and we trust that you are the heavenly healer uh, in whom all things are possible. And, uh, and we just pray that you would be with people, they would feel your presence, they would not feel lonely. And finally, we pray, Lord, for uh, us as a community here, that we would be one in you, that we would love each other well, that we'd be quick to ask for forgiveness and quick to forgive, uh, and that we could all get along really well and be friends. In Jesus' name, amen. We turn to confession. Ye that do truly and earnestly repent you of your sins and are in love and charity with your neighbors and intend to lead a new life, following the commandments of God and walking from henceforth in his holy ways. Draw near with faith and take this holy sacrament to your comfort. Make your humble confession to Almighty God. We pray together. Almighty God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, maker of all things, judge of all people. We acknowledge and bewail our manifold sins and wickedness, which we from time to time most grievously have committed by thought, word, and deed against thy divine majesty, provoking most justly thy wrath and indignation against us. We do earnestly repent and are heartily sorry for these our misdoings. The remembrance of them is grievous unto us, the burden of them is intolerable. Have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us, most merciful Father. For thy Son, our Lord Jesus Christ's sake, forgive us all that is past, and grant that we may ever hereafter serve and please thee in newness of life, to the honor and glory of thy name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who of his great mercy hath promised forgiveness of sins to all them that with heart of repentance and true faith turn unto him. Have mercy upon us, pardon and deliver us from all our sins, confirm and strengthen us in all goodness, and bring us to everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear what comfortable words our Saviour Christ saith unto all that turn to him. Come unto me, all that travail and are heavy laden, and I will refresh you. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, to the end that all that believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up unto the Lord. Let us give thanks unto our Lord God. It is meet and right so to do. It is very meet, right, and our bounden duty that we should at all times and in all places 
Give thanks unto thee, O Lord, Holy Father, almighty, everlasting God. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify thy glorious name, evermore praising thee and saying, Holy, 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 Lord God of hosts, heaven and earth are full of thy glory. Glory be to thee, O Lord, most high. Amen. We do not presume to come to this, thy table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in thy manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under thy table, but thou art the same Lord, whose property is always to have mercy. Grant us, therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of thy dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body and our souls washed through his most precious blood, and that we may evermore dwell in him and he in us. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who of thy tender mercy didst give thine only Son, Jesus Christ, to suffer death upon the cross for our redemption, who made there by his one oblation of himself once offered a full, perfect, and sufficient sacrifice, oblation, and satisfaction for the sins of the whole world, and did institute and in his holy gospel command us to continue a perpetual memory of that his precious death until his coming again. Hear us, O merciful Father, we most humbly beseech thee, and grant that we, receiving these thy creatures of bread and wine, according to thy Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ's holy institution, in remembrance of his death and passion, may be partakers of his most blessed body and blood. Who in the same night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of this, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for you and for many, for the remission of sins. Do this as oft as ye shall drink it in remembrance of me. Amen. Please do come, as we always do, and receive around the dais. If for one reason or another you can't do that, that's fine. Stay where you are. I'm more than happy to come to you. Um, but receive from God this day his gift simply through bread and wine of forgiveness and everlasting life. Amen. 